welcome to the Life Giver Sunday special. If we truly want to become a life giver in our home and marriage, we have to go to the creator of life and allow him to breathe life back into our own heart. The Life Giver Sunday special is still a place for honest conversation, but it will aim to encourage your faith and restore your soul. Welcome to the very first Sunday special of season four on the Life Giver podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. You can expect about once a month a unique episode called the Sunday Special where we're going to have some very honest conversations and interviews that are a little bit more on our faith and what it really means to breathe life into our marriage and our home, and I'm so excited about it. You know, there's a lot of research out there that shows that having some level of spirituality or faith is a huge contributing factor to having a healthy marriage. I know that Matt and I would not be where we are today had it not been for our faith and our relationship with Jesus. And I wanna be a little bit more authentic with that this season. And I wanna bring more guests on that can really share their powerful stories of how their faith has made such a huge difference in transforming their marriage. So about once a month, you can expect some of these episodes coming out on a Sunday. I'm really excited to share our first one is a a talk that we gave to our alma mater, our undergrad, which was Gardner-Webb University. You know, Matt and I thought a lot about what message we wanted to deliver to the Gardner-Webb students, and we decided to kind of come back home to who we are and what we love to do, which is um, our love of being a part of service families' stories and helping them really embrace every chapter, even if it's painful, in who they are and their story and what God has for their life. So here is our talk with the Gardner Web students on what it means to embrace your story and bring meaning and purpose out of every piece of it. So what we want to talk about today is um, reading your story, how you can actually use everything you've gone through in life uh, better. Because what we realized is we saw some statistics out there in the current generation, like the number one thing they want to be is an influencer. And I know you want to make a difference. I mean, your generation is phenomenally awesome. You want to be individuals that are out there making a difference and changing the world. That's perfect. That's awesome. But I want to tell you from a little bit of our experience of how you can actually do that in a lasting way. So I want to leave with this. Corey and I have been married 20 years this May. We got married right after we graduated. In the first four years, she would say five, I would say four, of our marriage with absolute hell. Like, no kidding, no joking around, off. Like we didn't know how to do marriage. We didn't have any mentors. Whether or not it was my anger, whether or not it was her running away, whether it was all those kind of things, we were we were in just a main, huge, confused spot in life. And for us to even be up here talking to you today, encouraging you as a couple, that are madly in love, has everything to do with the fact that we somehow allow God in to begin to redeem our story. So that we're involved in marriage retreats now. We, we teach other people actually how to do marriage and how to do marriage right. But 15 years ago, that would not, we would not have any credibility, any ability to even stand up here and encourage you today what we're going to talk about. So I want to let you know that kind of like a madman who experiments on himself first, everything we're going to talk about and encourage you with today is something that we first did ourselves. But when I think back to when I was here at Gardner Web, Everything that I thought that I was going to do, it's not what I turned out to be. All the plans that I had, 
for what I thought that I would do out of school. Um, I was a music major. Um, I, I did a lot of the drama. I heard that Sweeney, is it Sweeney Todd is, is coming up? Y'all go see it. You guys have no idea how much work goes into those. I see my old beats back there, yes. And so I was in drama and I was a music major. Um, I switched to psychology after a little bit because I remember sitting in one of the classes and somebody, I had a wake up call that was like, I don't know if music major is actually what I want to do. And I felt so confused. But every plan that I thought, that I thought made sense, is not at all what God wanted for our lives. We had no idea that we wanted to work with service families when we were here at Garden Web. We didn't know until probably 10 years after that God had a plan for our life to work with service families, and it is everything that he created us to do. We just didn't know he had a plan already in place and was already working on it. My ability to stand up right now in front of you is because I was a music major back then and was taught how to stand in front of people, how to hold a mic, how to carry my voice, how to be in drama. I had no idea that it was going to give me what I needed to be a communicator later. There are things that God is doing in your life right now that may or may not make sense. But at the same time, there's a bigger plan in store. And it involves your story, which is what we're going to talk about. Um, I guess, very briefly, um, Matt is a chaplain life. I guess you kind of already introduced yourself, so we're not going to do that. I didn't, Matt's cueing me that we're just going to jump right into it because we don't have a ton of time. So I want to just start off talking about what is it that keeps us from sharing our story, embracing our story, and using our story. Because God uses stories all the time. He is a storyteller. This whole thing, I just want to bring the biggest Bible I have, I guess, apparently, but it's just my favorite one. But he's a storyteller, and that's what I love to do. I'm a storyteller. When I work with people in counseling, it is about getting into their stories. It is about having the honor to sit in someone's story just for a brief moment of time and maybe even get to be part of their story, part of shifting their story. It is the most honorable place I can personally be is in those counseling sessions, playing a part and seeing their story shift from a hopeless place to suddenly a place where they have direction again. It's my favorite thing to do. And so when we started to think about like, what does it mean to know your story? What does it mean to embrace your story? What does it mean to allow God to use your story? We were thinking about some of the things that we run into with other people that keeps them from embracing your story. And the first thing that I see, especially in counseling, whether it's working with veterans, first responders, anybody really, it's a human issue, not just a service issue, but we see it a lot within the service culture, is people hide from their story. That there are things that have happened in their life, whether it's things that have been done to them, or whether it's things that have happened to them, or just life that have happened. But they say, let's just sweep it under the rug. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to think about it. I want to ignore it. It's, it's kind of like this icky part of my story, and God can't use that. That is too vulnerable. That is too, like, I just, it, it brings up stuff in me, and so I don't want to do, I just don't, I want to pretend it didn't happen. When I was in Georgia, I had the opportunity to work with adolescent girls. It's a wonderful season, wonderful season where I get to work with adolescent girls. I was doing one-on-one -on -one counseling with each of these girls, and I would have one girl come in, and she would share her story. 
Okay, and then the next girl, the next session would come in and she would share her story. But the first one was like the cheerleader, right? Just super popular cheerleader, like bawling her eyes out, telling me how much she's struggling at school, and how she just feels like everybody thinks I'm perfect and I'm not. And then the next girl would come in and she's like the other spectrum, the other side, just feeling completely alone, feeling completely invisible. She's on my couch and she's crying and she's like, I just wish people would understand that I'm, I'm more than this, and I just feel so alone. I had two girls dealing with the same thing, and yet they passed each other in the hallway. They would have completely ignored each other and assumed that the other person either would judge them or that they wouldn't have anything in common. Long story short, I decided, you know what? This is like barely effective for me to go from session to session to session. All they're doing is we're just bouncing it back and forth between me and the other person. If I could get Sarah to talk with Mary, there would be a whole other level of healing happening. So I did. I got the girls together, and they were a wreck. Like, people were throwing up on the way there and, like, trying to run away from their parents' car. And, like, they were terrified, terrified to be vulnerable in front of each other because they knew, because I prepared them, prepared them, this is what we're going to do. They came together. And because they shared their story, they realized we all have stories. We all have things that we're ashamed of. We all have things that taints us or feels like it taints us. And wouldn't you know, that cheerleader and that other girl that felt so isolated and alone became the best of friends to the point that after we moved, those girls to this day keep in touch, even though they've gone on to college because they found something in each other's story that said, I am not alone, and your story has meaning. Because when you shared your story, it brought meaning to my story, and there's something I can do about that. And it reminded me of John 4, the woman at the well. You guys know that story? The woman at the well, where the woman has this backstory, right? She's got this backstory of all these things that she's just done, and you can just imagine, she's a Samaritan woman, Jesus has come to, to the village, he's up at the well. They're not supposed to be talking, right? It's kind of against the rules. She has this whole backstory. And a lot of people think that she's come to the well because she's like trying to stay away from everybody else. Either she's not welcome with the townspeople or she's trying to avoid them because everybody knows her story, right? Everybody knows her story. She's been married five times. She's got a backstory. And for whatever reason, she is avoiding people. She doesn't belong. Jesus meets her there. And what she finds out is that Jesus knew her story. She didn't even have to tell it. Whether she was trying to hide it or not, he knew it. He's known it the whole time. And he saw her worth his presence. He saw her story have meaning. And this is what I love about story. That moment of her identifying with Jesus and realizing that it's okay that you know my story, and that doesn't say anything about who I am or what I'm worth, that I am worth more than whatever I've done in my past, and you still love me, and you still have something for me, and you say you've got something for me that is far bigger and far more rewarding that can quench the thirst and need that I have in my heart, that I don't have to seek after love and acceptance, and I don't have to feel alone anymore, that I don't have to chase that anymore. Something shifted in her. You just picture it. Something shifted in her. What did she do? She ran into the village. These people who've been like, girl, who are you? Like, we don't talk to you. She didn't even care. 
she ran into that village, burst into those crowds, and said, you are not going to believe what happened to me. She wasn't worried about their opinion. She wasn't worried about their rules. She wasn't worried about what they think she should do with her emotions or her, where she's allowed to walk or when she's allowed to talk. She ran in there. And this is the best part of the whole story to me. She would not have had influence in that town had people not known her story. No one would have seen the trans transformation. Does that make sense? Because they knew her story, that's when she came in and they saw something was different. And because they knew her story, they could say, something has happened here. We've got to go find out what happened. So you can't hide from your story. You also can't hide in your story. Something I see too often in the veteran community is people who go through a traumatic event and then they allow it to define them for the rest of their life. They get caught in it. They get immobilized from it. That, that becomes the thing that defines everything in the rest of their life. And it doesn't just have to be a traumatic event. It can be where you come from or something that happened that may not feel very significant, but you've come to overly identify with that. And for the rest of your life, that's your little narrative. That's your little script that goes along with it. So right after this Samaritan woman, Jesus encounters somebody that's been sitting beside the pool waiting for 38 years to be made well. It's been ill for 38 years. I don't know about you, but if I was ill for 38 years, I would be waiting very close to the pool. But this guy apparently has been sitting far enough away for 38 years that he's got an excuse of why he can't get to the water. Y'all, for real, if I would have been ill, if I wanted that in my life, I would be as close to the answer as possible. I'd be as close to the cure as possible. That pool was supposed to be the cure for him. And Jesus walks up to him, and the first question, the only best question, he goes, do you want to be made well? So here's the thing, my question for you, for those of you that are hiding in your story, do you want to be made well? Do you want to move past it? Or are you so enjoying the victimization that it's become a warm blanket to you? That's the thing that protects you from the rest of the world. That's the way you can begin to define yourself. You can't hide from your story. You can't hide in your story, but you can actually begin to live out of your story. The reason this is important to us is because I've sat in front of so many people after a very traumatic event, and they're asking me, why did this happen? We both, she's a licensed counselor, I'm a chaplain, we've been doing this for over 15 years. And after I have a friend who has to put his friend in a body bag, after they pick up the body parts, I'm the first person they talk to. They look in my eyes and they think that I've got the answer. And I'm here to tell you that after doing that so many times, after sitting in front of a female soldier who's been sexually assaulted, and try and go, I don't have the words, but I can sit in this pain with you. I can tell you that very often the meaning is not found in that moment. You're not going to find it in that moment. But what I've seen after walking with the soldiers for long enough, years afterwards, the family members, long enough for years afterwards, the way they live after it, gives all the meaning in the world to that horribleness that they had to live through. To whatever it was, whatever that little seed was that started the narrative that they've lived in their life. And so if you look in John 9, you look that up, and if you look in John 9, 
you'll see a really perfect example of what this looks like. There's another blind guy who encounters Christ. And Christ has a little bit of an interchange with him. He spits on the ground, makes blood, puts it in his eyes, and the guy goes and washes off in the pool with Salome. And then his story becomes the thing by which he then testifies about Christ. This is one of my favorite stories. I guess I have a lot of favorite stories. But this has always been my favorite because it's actually kind of funny. It's, to me, it's not like a funny story because here's this guy who was born blind and they have this huge argument that's happening around the fact that he was born blind and he's born blind because of the sin of his parents or the sin of the world or like they're so like trying to figure out like why was he blind and why did that matter and they're wrapped up in his identity of that and so jesus like he was saying spits in the mud and puts the mud on his eyes and tells him to go wash his eyes and he comes back and he starts he, all he knows, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. This was great. He just knows that somebody put mud on his eyes, and now he can see, and everybody's like, who did this? And he's like, I don't know, but I can see. And they're like, well, surely you know who this is, right? Like, who, who would do something like this? Like, I don't know. All I know is that I was blind, and now I can see. And they're like, well, was it your sin? Was it somebody else's sin? He's like, I don't know the answer to your question. I just can see. This is what he did. I did what he asked, and now I can see. So then they run to his parents. They run to his parents and like, you know, well, first of all, they said, well, it's, maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was like somebody that looked like him. Maybe this is not the beggar that was at the pool the whole time. And then there's other people like, no, I'm pretty sure this is the guy. So they go to the parents, and they're like, is this your son? Like, this is the son, right? This is your son. He was blind, right? And this is, you're saying this is your son. And so he's saying he can see now. So what do you think? And they're like, this is fascinating, right? The parents totally didn't stick up for him. The parents, even out of fear, were like, uh, you know what? He's of age. You should go talk to him. We don't want to get involved in this. Just kind of sad when you think about it. When Christ begins to redeem your story, there will be people that will walk away. There will be people that will try and deny it. There will be people that will go, ah, you know what? I, I need my distance. Because it's too real. I mean, it's a reality that maybe you don't want to deal with. I don't know about you, but if, if I had been blind and my parents would stick up for me and be excited with me, that says something about the miraculous nature. So here's the, here's the funny part, and then we're going to get to the point. Because we know how important it is for you guys to get back to class. And have time to get back to class and considering it's like sleeting outside and all that good business um he was questioned over and over and over again and he kept giving the same response with increasing frustration like i don't know the answer to your question i don't know who the guy is i don't know why it worked all I know is this happened in my life. Go find him. Go ask him. They ask his parents. They ask everybody. And finally, something happens in this blind man. Now, can you picture the same thing that happened with the one at the well? Probably the same thing that happened to the beggar at the pool. These people were outcasts. They were less than because of their history, because of their story. And something in the blind man, like, just you can just imagine out of the frustration and the truth of what had just happened, he had just completely had his life turned around. 
He goes one-on-one -on -one with the Pharisees, these people who had looked down on him and said he was less than the whole time he's te they're telling you, you're worthless. Who are you to tell your story? Who are you to be an expert on your life? Who are you to say what works and what doesn't work? We know what we're talking about. And he steps up and schools them out of his experience of a transformative moment with Jesus. That is all he had. That is all he had. All I know is that I was in this condition and I met this guy and opened my eyes. That's all I need to know. It's really powerful after that because it says they threw him out. They were still unwilling to listen. They threw him out. The best part was, Jesus went and found him. Like Jesus is not just somebody who just happens to pass by people and heal them. Story after story, he heals people. And then he goes back to find them. He goes back to pursue them. Because they're worth more than just their story. But their story is what changes everything for everyone. These were five minutes, maybe an hour max of moments. And we're talking about them thousands of years later. Thousands of people have been changed because a couple of people had a transformative moment with God and then just went out there and told them what happened. You have the most remarkable story. Every single one of you has an amazing story to tell. Some of you are hiding from that story because it's too painful for you to address. It's too painful for you to go back and process it. I get it. I get it. I hear them all the time. I have my own. I have my own stories that are really painful to process. But we can't hide from them. It does us no good. It keeps us sick. It keeps us feeling less than. It keeps us feeling like we are ineffective. And there is a world out there right now that tells you that your influence comes from the number of likes, how awesome your Instagram picture is, and how much content that you can put out. And I can tell you from experience, all that runs out. It is fleeting. You will hit your max capacity on your human ability to have influence. And you know what happens? Whatever you do to get that public attention and gain your public identity is what you have to continue to put out. If you want to put out angry rants, guess where you have to stay? Angry. If you put out pain and distress, you have to stay in pain and distress because that's what the world wants from you. Because that's what the world says is influence. Likes and followers. It runs out. It runs out, and every influencer out there is hitting a place of burnout and suicide ideation because they can't. They can't put that out anymore. You have incredible influence if you can stop hiding from your story and instead start to embrace it, work through it, address it, figure out where God is in that, let Jesus come in and actually transform that story and bring meaning to it, every single one of these people would have looked back and said, I would go through all of that again. 
because of that one moment with Jesus. Time you use your story in the life of another human being again. You get to reclaim it. You get to have ownership of it. You don't allow somebody else to tell you what it's worth. Because it incurs greater worth with each time. When I had to put a best friend in a body bag, it was devastating. Absolutely devastating. But it enables me to sit in front of other people who deal with death because guess what? We're all going to deal with it. To be able to walk into that valley and go, I know exactly how you feel. I know you feel hopeless. I know you feel like the sun's never going to shine again. You can't see forward. You can't see the other side of this. But I can tell you because I lived through it, because I allowed it to happen to me, because God allowed it to happen to me and shepherded me through that process. You're going to get through it, but you don't have to do it alone. Because God is going to walk through that valley with you every single time. As you don't have the courage right now to stand up and to be able to testify, you've got to remember that this guy, this blind guy, who had no reason, no right, no ability, no credibility to stand in front of the Pharisees, at some point got up there and says, look, this is what we all believe. This is how I know this man was from God, because we all believe that. He used this royal we. He could have said, well, that's what you believe, that's what the Jews believe, let's argue this theological point. He stood up on his own two feet and said, we know this to be true. Too often we're trying to convince somebody about facts. We're trying to argue a point. We try to argue data points or information. What Christ does in your life is inarguable. And it shuts conversations down in a good way. And it opens other conversations up. Because people will be like, I, I, want, I need that. Because the people you're walking by every day that you don't talk to, guess what? Destruction and devastation. Because that's what humanity is made of. Suffering and pain and anguish and hurt. And you're going to see it. You all are going to be sent ones out into a world. You are sent to go be an agent of change in the world. And the best place you can do that, the best way you can do that, is to use your story. To take what's been there, to hold it up to the Creator, to take it back to the Creator and say, can you do something with this? It's inescapable to me that in the beginning it says in Genesis we were made from dirt. And that Christ used dirt to heal dirt. you got to take it back to the Creator. You have to take it back to the one who had original intention for you. And do like what Henry Nowen says in his book, Become a Wounded Healer. Out of our greatest woundings become our greatest ability to heal. I mentioned at the very beginning that our first four, five years of marriage were hell. We embraced it. We asked God into that story, into that place. And right now, as we're known in the military and many other circles, we apparently are the marriage gurus that people go to about how to fix their relationships. Come crying to us. You know what the first thing we leave with? Ours were hell too. It was awful. We didn't know how to do it. But when we invited Christ to step into that mess with us, to lead, guide, direct us, to teach, coach, mentor us, we lay ourselves bare and be submissive to Christ, that's when the changes actually started happening. And out of that, people can have hope and go, so you were where I was, yeah. 
So I can I can eventually crawl out of this. Yeah, yeah, you can. It's going to take time, but there's hope. But I can tell you, after 20 years, now I'd be lying to you to say if there was hope anywhere other than Christ. So we're going to close. We're going to pray. If you don't know Christ, it's time. I would rather you not go through the pain of life than you will go without me. That's a fact. Been in the worst places in the world. And without him, it's all meaningless. At some point, your body's going to fail you. At some point, your friends are going to fail you. At some point, money's going to run out. At some point, you're not going to be where you thought you were going to be. Adulting is hard. But the fact remains is Christ will never leave, never forsake you. So let me pray. Almighty God, we invite you in right now to our hearts and to our minds. Break down walls, break down barriers. Pierce our heart so that we can become softened to you and to your spirit. Lead us, guide us, direct us, draw us close, heal our story, enable us to give new meaning to the things that we've been through, that we've seen or done, the things that we've had done to us, things we've experienced that you never intended to happen. Give us the courage to bring our broken pieces back to you, for you to heal us. And give us the inspiration and courage to walk into someone else's broken life and help them heal. Whether it's in a board meeting, in a business area, whether it's out on the football field, whether it's out in the athletic field, whether it's in the gym, whether it's in the hospital, whether it's in the school, wherever we're at, may we constantly look and see, God, how are you going to redeem the broken pieces of my life in this situation? Thank you for who you are, that you're unchanging. Thank you that you constantly pursue us. You never forsake us. And thank you that you sing over us with joy. In the holy name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these conversations as being free of advertising or sponsorship, please help me by spreading the word to other military and first responder families that might benefit from the show. If you'd like to find out more about me or Life Giver, you can find more information at www.coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.